We're at the end of our series on spiritual disciplines. The interesting piece with, with spiritual disciplines is that we've actually been on a pretty systematic journey. This journey hasn't been one where we kind of wander out and hope that we find our way, that there's actually a, a progression that happens. And you're going to see on your screen kind of this quick review on just where, where, where we've been headed. We started in confession. And confession is actually uh, a practice that isn't just done in the quietness of our, our own personal space, that it actually is, is effective for us as a community to actually be people of confession. And then we move to guidance. So out of confession, we realize we actually need help, and with spiritual guidance comes some some help that God put us in community that one another can actually help us point uh, each other to the, the way of Jesus. And then, then we move back into solitude. Confession and spiritual guidance is something that, that we do as a community. Solitude is something that recaptures us as, as individuals. And coming out of solitude, we start to realize that our life is incredibly complex. And that's where simplicity comes in. We actually have to start to pare away things so that we can start to see Jesus clearly. And then last week we talked about fasting. We all groaned about Matt preaching about fasting. But in fasting, it, it just creates a dependence on God. It's not just us beating our bodies up for, for the sake of beating our bodies up. It's actually illuminating that we need Jesus and that Jesus is the key. Today we're going to look at the importance of of study and you see the title on your screen there I really appreciate that that study is a sacred duty that it's not just something that we do when we have time it's not just something that we do when we feel like it it's something that actually is a duty something that God's called us to as as one studies God's Word the the relationship between the individual and God actually deepens it becomes more intimate. As one starts to apply biblical truths to our life, we see that God blesses us. We see that joy grows. We see that our community with Christ and, and God is, is broadened through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We start to understand the Holy Spirit's work in our life. You know, my prayer, and I know this is Pastor Trent's prayer, is that the learning of truth will be evident in the changed lives that we see here at, at Renfrew Baptist Church. But when we look at study, we kind of have to frame it up. And maybe the best way to frame up study is to think of two different terms, a tourist and an explorer. You know, the tourist travels really quickly. They stop only to observe some noticeable or, or public points of interest. The explorer, on the other hand, takes his time to search out all that he can find. Too many times I find myself simply being a tourist and complaining that my devotional times are just not fruitful. It's necessary it's important for us to take time to explore the Bible. It's important for us to, to find those noticeable uh, nooks and, and crannies 
as we start to, to spend time in God's word, as we look beneath the servants, be, be, beneath the service, there we go, the surface. Why am I can't? Studying. Here's the interesting thing with studying. Studying is something that, uh, that we as human beings do instinctively. It's the very first thing that we ever engage in. From the time that we're, we're born and we start to open our eyes, we begin to study the world around us. The Bible commands us to study. I love to study. I love to do research. It's, it's part of my job, but, but reading and studying isn't for everyone. It's not everyone's favorite thing. I get that. Let me tell you a little story. This story is told of a son who comes home from kindergarten and he asks, how long do I have to do this? The father laughed and told him that he had to go to school for at least 12 more years, 16 if he wanted to go to college. The kid shook his head and simply went to his room probably to cry. That same son actually likes to read now. But he didn't like school very much. He'd rather be outside mowing the lawn. He's a hands-on kind of guy. He doesn't read the instructions. He just digs in and starts to, to put things together by trial and error. And God knows that. We're not all built the same. Yet the Bible is really clear. It commands all of us to study. Study, therefore, is a sacred duty. But that just doesn't mean reading books or acquiring information or facts for the sake of acquiring information. Do you remember how we started this series? Richard Foster said this, The purpose of the spiritual disciplines is the total transformation, the complete transformation of the person. The end goal of, of these last weeks with, with Trent and myself is for us to replace old destructive habits with some new thought and life-giving habits. Studying helps us do that. It's our sacred duty. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, Thy, your word, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's interesting to note that that verse doesn't say God's word is hidden in my house and I'm not sure if I'm sinning against you. If God's word is, is not a part of our lives as individuals, if it's not a part of the wisdom that you and I give, if it's not a part of our church's decisions, then my guess is we're sinning. We're missing out. We're operating in a lifestyle where we are guessing, is this right or is this wrong? Mark Twain said this, It's not what I don't understand in the Bible that troubles me. It's what I do understand that troubles me. 2 Timothy 3.15 says this, Do your best, strive, work towards, to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman, a hard worker, who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know that manual that you have in your, in your car? It's in your glove box. Maybe you're like me. I have it in my seat. My Dodge Journey seat opens up. 
When do you actually look at that manual? You know what? You look at it when you have a problem and you need to know something. You, do you know that there are some pages that you've probably never looked at? They're just kind of hidden in there, the scheduled maintenance. <laughs> this is what the Bible is for you. This is what the Bible needs to become for you. Scheduled maintenance for the soul. Well, let's, before we come up with a plan for study, let's actually look back at, at just some simple reminders about the book that we hold so casually. The very first one is scripture is powerful. I love this in Hebrews 4 verse 12 where it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Scripture is, is power-packed because it contains over 2,500 references where God says, God says this to us, or the Lord says. The, the second thing, so we know Scripture is powerful. The second thing about Scripture is Scripture always gives us the standard. John 17, 17, Jesus proclaimed this truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify. Purify. Make them holy. Lord, make me holy. Lord, make me what you want me to be through the reading of your word. All right, so scripture is powerful. Scripture gives us a standard. Scripture gives us hope. John 8, 32 says this, You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. How can this be? A set of rules, a set of guidelines is actually going to set me free? That's not freedom, that's bondage. The no here in this verse isn't a no that's representing a bunch of facts. The true translation here in John chapter 8 is that it suggests intimacy. That there's an experience with something or someone. Maybe we need to read the verse like this. You will know, experience, or be intimate with the truth. God's word. And the truth, God's word, will set you free. Free from bondage of sin, of myself, and of Satan. And then the final thing, Scripture actually lets us experience the fullness of who God is. It doesn't minimize God. Psalm 34 verse 8 says this, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The more that, that you and I know about God, the more we understand about God, the more I believe God will actually reveal himself to me because of that. There is so much more. What are you doing, even in the midst of COVID, to find the so much more? All right, Matt, well, how do I study the Bible? The Apostle Paul tells us that we're transformed by the, the renewing of our mind. He says that in, in Romans chapter 12 too. The way we do that is to study the, 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 what God has done actually in our world. Paul writes this. Friends, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Studying is the main way that we actually think about such things. The next verse, Paul continues that theme and he says this in verse 9, Whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will always be with you. Well, that theme wasn't just a New Testament theme. That theme actually existed in Deuteronomy when God told his people to diligently study Study the words of God. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and your mind. Tie them as symbols on your hands and, and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts, the door frames of your houses, and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many uh, in the, the land of the Lord that he swore to give to your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Write them everywhere. Put them everywhere. On the gates, on the homes, teaching them. You know, Jesus spent much time teaching his disciples. Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And if you do that, you'll find rest for your soul. Paul said this in, in 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as, as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. There's a learning process that we just can't escape when we choose to follow Jesus. To be a Christian, a Jesus follower, is to be a student, a learner. It means that we have to study. Richard Foster describes study as this, a specific kind of experience in which through careful attention to, to reality, the mind is enabled to move in a, in a certain direction. And Richard Foster actually talked about four steps for us with study, and I love them, and I, I just want to highlight them for us as we start to work toward the end of this message. The very first one, as we get practical with what does it mean to study the very first one is repetition. The interesting thing with repetition is it creates pathways in our mind that suddenly become ingrained with habits of thought. This is not just mindlessly memorizing or repeating something for the sake of that. Rather, it's an attempt to take the critical truth to a deeper level of our mind through sheer repetition. There are scripture passages that are now a part of me. I don't have to consciously think about them. They're inside of me all the time. This is the power of repetition. 
the interesting thing for me is as I wrestled through this this weekend was in grade 7 I memorized the book of James 35 years ago guess what I still remember the book of James take scripture and bring it up over and over until it forms a habit whether by consistently reading it memorizing it maybe even putting it on a post-it note present it to your mind over and over and over again until it becomes a part of you becomes a part of your habits so that's repetition in study it's important for us to to have repetition the second thing in study is that we actually need concentration concentration centers the mind it focuses on what is the most important we know this the brain is constantly receiving and encoding and storing all this information we have information overload the act of of concentration actually decides which points are the most important which points do I actually need to learn and focus on once we we have it in our in our head then we need to concentrate on what is actually being said what is God saying about me what is God saying about him what is God saying about how he operates in this world but it's not just enough to repeat it and to concentrate the the third piece of of study and you will see a progression here is we actually need comprehension repetition concentration comprehension Jesus reminded us that it's not just the truth but the knowledge of truth that will set us free he said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free in John chapter 8 being exposed to the truth is the first step but at some point it has to move to comprehension stay with me just for a second here we've all experienced reading something over and over and over again and then all of a sudden we understand what it means that eureka moment that I got it means that we've actually taken our learning to a, a new level and that eureka I got it moment actually allows us to to move into further study and discernment and insight it for, it forms the the basis of what reality is for us once you've heard it in your head and you've concentrated on it the next step is actually to to understand it and then the final one is the most important with study reflection comprehension de defines what we're studying we can understand it we can comprehend it but reflection defines the significance of what we're studying we actually can start to apply it the act of reflection actually brings us to see things in God's perspective with God's eyes in reflection we come to understand that not only what is God saying but how do I fit into it Jesus spoke of this often in Matthew 
He said this in Matthew 13, 15, ears that, that suddenly don't hear and eyes that don't see. When we ponder the, the meaning of what we study, we come to see and hear things in a new way. It's a fancy word of we're actually transformed. We're changed. It starts to become something in our life. You know, we don't, we don't engage in the spiritual discipline of study simply for the sake of learning or to just look smarter. On the contrary, the more we study, the less we actually know. God becomes really big and we become really small. Maybe the, the struggle for us with, with study is we like knowing God as a really small God. In reflection, we come to understand not only the scriptures, but we understand our place. When we ponder the meaning of what we study, we actually come to hear and see in God's way. Let me tell you a little story as we begin to wrap up here. In 1968, and all of us have this, Dr. Spencer Silver, who was a scientist at 3M in the United States, developed this, this low-tack, reusable, pressure-sensitive adhesive. For five years, Dr. Silver promoted his invention within 3M. He promoted it in seminars. He promoted it as he talked in the lunchroom. There wasn't much success for this low-tack, reusable, pressure-sensitive adhesive. In 1974, a, a friend of his, a colleague, Art Fry, was in a church choir in, in North St. Paul, Minnesota. He was frustrated because the bookmarks kept falling out of his hymnal. He had attended one of Dr. Silver's seminar, and this is what I love. While he was listening to a sermon in church, he came up with that idea of using the adhesive to anchor his bookmarks to his hymnal. And guess what? The first post-it notes were born. Many of you love post-it notes. If you came into my office at home or here at Renfrew or at camp, you would see post-it notes. These post-it notes remind me of appointments. They remind me of things that I need to buy or things that I need to get done or even things that I need to shut off or turn on. Those post-it notes help me remember. They help me remember the most important things. Our Old Testament text, which was found in Deuteronomy chapter 11 at the start of my message, is kind of like that today. Those people back then had post-it notes. I could see them writing these things. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. In other words, put them on post-it notes because they're that important. The Old Testament. God told the Israelites to write the laws on their gates, on their their doorposts, to bind them on their wrists, to put them on their foreheads so that they would never forget. The New Testament actually takes it even further, calling us to write the laws on our heart. 
It's like a giant post-it note, our heart. We're supposed to always remember the words of God and make them a part of our life. We're called to love God and love people. We only can do that as we study. So my challenge for you this week is simply this. Study differently. Focus on repetition. Concentrate. Work to comprehend what God's saying. And reflect. What's this going to look like for my life? You and I are called to make the word of God a huge part of our life. Let me pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, may you take it from my friends' minds. If you use me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Thank you for this series on spiritual disciplines. May we not be overwhelmed with, here's another thing for us to do. But may we understand the importance of these last six weeks of studying some practices we need in our life. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. His name was Dave, and his friend bought him a Bible. He wasn't a Christian, and they were hanging out in youth group. They were starting to hang out together. And Dave started to read the Bible, uh, reading the New Testament, and he, he read it with his friend, and slowly over time, he kind of didn't really understand much of it, but as things got explained a little bit more and more, he became so drawn into the story of Jesus. The next thing we know, um, we're having critical, strong, beautiful conversations with him. And I asked Dave, this was several years ago, so like, tell me about your faith journey. Like, kind of, what was the centerpiece? And he's like, I just couldn't get past the story. I couldn't get past, is this real? And as we explored the truth of it, it transformed his life. And uh, he ended up being on our worship team, and it was a beautiful story of transformation. And so much of it was anchored in him reading God's Word. Uh, friends, we ended on reading God's Word of our six spiritual disciplines. Now, the reason we've highlighted disciplines over this past six weeks is because they are so critical to how we live day to day. Because we might decide something with our minds, but it's very different than how we live it out. And so if we can put things into practice that become automated in our lives, we will find ourselves pointing in the direction of Jesus Christ, even when we don't plan for it or make intention. It's a powerful thing for us to automate the good things of our lives. So I would encourage you to reflect deeply on some of these things in the past month and a half that we've been working towards and think to yourself, what are the one or two or three things that I will do what I can to keep in my life? And we can trust that as you do those things, it will grow and grow and grow, and it'll be easier to bring in other aspects, other spiritual disciplines. I trust that God has been growing and working in your life, um, and it's a challenge for all of us, but I encourage us all to stick with it. Now, may you go today with His grace to continue on growing and developing and becoming uh, closer and closer to the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Friends, take care and we'll see you next week. Blessings.